this is an Ari Mac Network. An Ari Mac Network's production. Today, Ari Mac is going to be speaking about the craziness that's going on in our country right now. With your host, also on the Donald Trump rally out in Georgia happening today. We will speak about that. Um, also, we'll speak about the border and much, much more coming up in the craziest world of history. Coming up on the American Freedom Podcast. You're listening to the American Freedom Podcast on your host, Ari Mack. Here we go. Before we get into our show today, we are um, sponsored by and shout out by MyPillow. Um, the one and only uh, Mike Lindell has greatest, um, greatest pillows out there, bathrobes, down comforters, Bible story, go anywhere, my pillow, pajamas, longwear, loungewear, throw, throw blankets, weighted blankets, couch cushions, towels, body pillows, dog beds, rolling go, rolling goes, mattress toppers, and much, much more. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code F27. Or even go to FrankSpeech.com and use code F27 for MyPillow. Or call 800-544-8939. 800-544-8939. MyPillow is the best company in the world for your pillows. I got a MyPillow and I sleep very well. I am, and I love MyPillow. And good evening, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Ari Mac. Today we are live on a Saturday evening, September twenty fifth. Wow, what a great day it is! Oh my gosh, I've been waiting for this day. You know why? It's uh, guess what day it is? It's a uh, it's the one and only day that the um. Trump rally is happening, and Getter is actually um, going nuts, which is happy. I'm very happy about. We are on Facebook. Hello, Facebook. If you want to go on to Facebook on the day that we are live, go to facebook.com dash Mac and friend me um, so we can get you onto that Facebook um Facebook lives. So before we get into our whole Trump rally stuff, we have a few announcements. Uh emails before we get into that. We have a, a Fox News alert. Let's get to that. Cops fans rejoice Fox Nation ba- bringing um, the show back for 33rd season on October 1st. Whoever remembers cops. Thankfully, one media channel not so scared of lawful enforcement. Um, has decided it's time to bring back long-time running fan-favorite cops. Remember that? 
police show cops after it was canceled an anti-semitic anti-police backlash following George Floyd's death so the libs real question watch real question is going to is watching you going to what you going to do what you going to do when it comes for you bad boys bad boys i got to play we're going to play that song <laughs> It just came up to my head just now, by the way. Oh, man. My my producer is like, what the heck is with him today? All right. According to The Hill. <laughs> according to The Hill, right up the of the announcements, Fox News will be bringing up cops platform this fall. The That's exciting news. The fans um, undoubtedly felt robbed um, when prominent network canceled the program in 2020 after mainstream culture turned on law enforcement. If you recall, other networks like Amy canceled a similar live police shows like the um, super popular live PD. I don't remember. I remember. I remember watching live PD, but apparently they canceled that show. I actually watched live PD um, live. It was pretty cool. So thankfully, like brave officers whose real-time criminal justice work continuous the brunt of the TV show, Fox Nation is serving up justice, inconsistent victims. Fox News channel streaming platform is picking um, up undully canceled show right where it left off to hell with reboots cop 30 cops 33rd season will begin airing on fox nation on october 1st 2021 cops fans better prepare for the popcorn because the night of the doubt will have a ton of cops content. Um, the outlet stated that the show's doubt that will include four brand new episodes, which subsequent episode premiering every Friday throughout the duration this of the season. They should that should be plenty of for cops. So that sounds great. Sounds amazing. Sounds amazing, folks. Um... All right, here we go. Next. Arizona. A Republican Arizona. Resigns after secret recording surface. A Republican Maricopa County supervisor was caught audio on audio criticizing his fellow Republican for the review of 2020 
election now has resigned. Bye-bye. Yep, that's what I say to those people. We can play the audio saying, Sean and ah, nah. Yep. All right, so what is New Jersey about, about now? Sending emails to people. New Jersey News Pfizer booster does now is now available in New Jersey 65 plus and high risk individuals. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, I care about the vaccine, but I am not a fan of booster shots. And they're also telling people Get the download the docket app to access your vaccination records on your phone. Once again, I'm not a vet fan of that. They sent me another email. Um by saying if you are sixty five or older, you could get your booster shot. I am not going to get my booster shot. Um, because the reason why I'm not going to get my booster shot is because I feel like I don't need to. I, if you'd like to, for those on Facebook who'd like to know, I will tell you the reason why. I mentioned Last week, I said that it's a huge, huge stupidness, and it's just for money. Just money. Just freaking money. And it is. So Tucker goes off like a nut, like went and went for like uh let's just say I don't want to say this. He says bleep them. Tucker Carlson goes off on the ADL after they demand him to be fired. Since Trump left left office, Tucker Carlson has become a the new face of liberal rage. He triggers them unlike anyone in the news media for the good reason. Carlson is has the number one rated cable news show um, in the entire country. And millions are glued to the uh, truth he gives on a nightly basis. And since... um. Since the left ha- hates the truth, they have ta- they have tried to attack Tucker every angle. And it is true. During the during a new podcast, Megan Kelly asked Tucker for his response on the ADLs 
demand and his answer was gold. Oh, bleep them, Carlson said. The ADL was such a noble organization and that had a very specific goal. And he is right. Man, oh man. Bleep them. We are not going to say. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are not going to say what he said. It's time, it's time. Ladies and gentlemen. Alright, we got the Maricopa County results on Friday. Senate, the Senate, Arizona Senate held a hearing, revealed findings of the audit. Maricopa County presidential uh, 2020 election. During the Cyber Ninjas, Doug Logan revealed that 9,041 mail-in voters returned more ballots than they were sent. In total, the official canvas has 3,432 more ballots than, than, um, than cast than the last of list of people who show as having cast um cast a vote according to Logan's finding here's the latest on the actual stuff 255,326 early sh- votes show without having been returned having been returned hmm magic Sounds that quite right. All right, so 9,041 more ballots were returned than sent. Sounds iffy. 3,432 more cast votes than voters on VM55 list. And then 397 mail-in ballots were returned that showed as never sent. Picture via Twitter. On September 24th. Um, now. The above, um, Logan hearing. During the hearing. Throughout the, um, entire audit. The Western Journal provided extensive, sometimes exclusive coverage on the Maricopa County election audit. In July, Western Journal conducted an exclusive interview with Arizona Senate um, President Karen Fan, which included 
Um, a number of revolutions the interview can be is not available apparently. All right, so that's that. All right, so Marjorie Taylor Greene confronts a Democrat representative on the Capitol step over abortion bill. Republican Marjorie Taylor Greene sent one of her Democrat colleagues into the meltdown. On Friday, after the House Democrats overwhelmingly voted to pass a bill legalized all abortion without restrictions nationwide. Green of Georgia pure is a pure fighter, especially with, with regard to protecting our children. That much was obvious on the Capitol steps when she got into verbal spat with a Democrat, Representative Debbie Dingell of Michigan. Of course, Michigan. Why not? NPR reported 218 Democrats voted to pass this bill. The Women's Health Protection Act, the bill, is more than le- more or less parties. Answers to the, to the state, the laws, and that restrict ability um, of physicians to kill children in womb up until birth. Ladies and gentlemen, this is sounds stupid. They're just a bunch of idiots. We are religious people, and the Democrats are um, many Democrats are also religious. It says in the Bible not to kill. Why in the right mind? Who in the right mind would do that? It says in the Bible. I could read it to you. But. Who in the world would do that? I don't understand. I absolutely don't understand. I am pissed. I'm absolutely pissed. Pissed by seeing that news today. Um, next, this one is a little upsetting to me. From LNN Lakewood News Network, Murphy mandates masks for children. Two and plus, Chatterjee says it's enough. Enough. Governor Murphy filled, um, signed a, an executive order on Monday, requiring all child care centers personnel to be fully vaccinated against COVID nineteen by November first, to be subject to COVID nineteen testing at minimum one to two times per week. Additional effective. Um, September 26th, according to the CD, with the CDC recommendations, the order also clarifies that, um, that all employees and visitors, students, 
and children. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, age two and over must wear masks indoors with limited ex expectation. These requirements will strengthen um, protections against the COVID-19 to children in these settings who are under 12 years old and not yet eligible for the vaccine. I'm a bit upset about it. I'm really upset. I'm really upset about it. Um why would you, why would why would I listen to that? I would never listen to it. Who would listen? No one. All right, so the Daily Mail um, I found this on the Daily Mail. Um, the CDC quietly removed guidance for when schools should be should scrap the masks, other COVID nineteen precautions. The CDC um, has altered guidance for COVID nineteen prevention in schools, removing a section that discussed. When to get rid of the precautions such as masks. While updates the CDC's guidance for the COVID-19 prevention, K-12 schools are usually announced at the top of their site. It failed to mention recent change that was originally set in place on August 5th. The full sentence that was removed read the guidance entailed help administrators and prevention strategize um, understand how to safely tra transition learning environments out of the COVID-19 pandemic um, precautions as community transmission of COVID-19 reaches low levels or stops. The CDC also removed sections that asked schools to monitor cases closely should the um, should they decide roll back ma masking and social do distancing as well as making sure that their masking policy do not conflict um, conflict with any state laws regulations so the CDC removed this section it's of its school COVID prevention policy referenced how schools can roll back policies in place for COVID-19. Once COVID-19 transmission, um, and it's really crazy how they can do that. I don't listen. I'll never listen. I hope I don't listen. And that's the uh, news and emails for today. And we are going to go to our videos in one minute. Before we go to that. Just... 
All right, so, um, hold on. All right, so we get to our, we have a lot of stuff to cover today, including the Trump rally. Um, so, Biden last week took a nice vacation while we're all in... A disaster. Listen to this. Rasmussen University. America, our southern border is being ransacked, literally 12,000. Mostly Haitians have raided Del Rio, Texas. In the course of just a few days, the numbers of illegals went from 1,000 to 2,000 to now an estimated 12,000 illegals camping at our Del Rio, Texas crossing. All because the word got out among Haitians that Biden was not sending them home. So Haitian male number one calls 10 of his best male Haitian pals looking for a shortcut into America. And within a few days, you have yet another border crisis. And where was Joe this weekend while the border was being overrun with unvetted foreigners? He was on a beach vacation, of course, riding his bike. Unbelievable. Surely Kamala Harris, you know, the borders are. Would we working this weekend as her only job, secure the border, was being overwhelmed? Nah, border smorter. Kamala had more important things to do this weekend. Oh, there she is, flipping a coin at a college football game. Just listen to all those adoring Howard University fans. She must love it. She should be flipping Haitians back to Haiti rather than hanging out at a college football game. But get this. We just found out that these fools are allowing Haitian family units into America. They're settling them in cities near you. Neighborhoods, by the way. Your neighborhood. My neighborhood. Think any Haitians will be placed in Kamala's neighborhood? Think again. The second gentleman would never allow that to happen. No, these illegals would be placed in your neighborhood, not theirs. But let's call it what it is. These people don't deserve a free pass into America. There are some people, the same people, who leave Honduras and Guatemala, trek through Mexico, and that's the tell, through Mexico, and present themselves to America's border claiming political asylum. If they were true victims of political persecution, they'd stop in Mexico, 100%. But it's not about being persecuted in Haiti or Honduras or Guatemala or any number of other countries of origin. But it should be because, yes, we do have laws allowing people who are legitimately being persecuted to find refuge in America. It's who we are. But these asylum seekers must prove they're under death threats and such, which they never seem to be able to do, proving they aren't really asylum seekers. 
they're American pie seekers. So more and more show up for a chance to, to get in, and they're not sent home. So the situation deteriorates into another crisis. And Biden rides his bike and Kamala flips a coin. I think it's awful. These people, Biden, Harris, and the rest of the Democrat Party, don't care about you. They only care about staying in power so they can rape and pillage the village. The village being the U.S. National Treasury. And the way they stay in power is by flooding America with future Democrat voters. So far, over 1.5 million have come across the border this year, on pace to break the record for border crossings going back 100 years since they started keeping records. They're coming here in record numbers because they know Joe and Kamala won't stop them. They won't send them back, but they will place them in cities and towns near you. A hush campaign is happening in D.C., folks. The Democrat Party is ever so quietly trying to get a pathway to voting rights for these illegals. Listen to despicable Democrat Jerry Nadler say the quiet part out loud in a hearing last week. This amendment uh, strikes the entire immigration title and the important investments in our human infrastructure that it makes. Therefore, I urge opposition to the amendment. If the uh, chairman would... Uh, indulge me, I'd like to know if he just used the term human infrastructure to refer to the portion of the bill that Mr. Gohmert seeks to strike with his amendment. I did. He did. Human infrastructure. Illegals. See that? They're trying to call illegal alien crossings the border human infrastructure. See what they're doing? They're trying to hide illegal immigration under the blanket of infrastructure. That's insane. And guess why Nadler said that now? They're doing all this now so they can slide citizenship through the big infrastructure bill floating around Capitol Hill this week. These Democrats are the sleaziest creatures on earth. Now, if that happens, if we let them carve out citizenship and therefore voting rights for illegals, you might as well say goodbye to any conservative winning any elected seat in America, the House, the Senate, or the White House ever again, and say hello to massive spending being thrust upon Americans. They've already given away $6 trillion of our money using COVID as an excuse. And we know they're trying to give away another $3.5 trillion of our money to their pet projects as we speak. But guess who's going to pay for all that Democrat spending? You and me. We 45% of Americans who pay for the other 55% of the freeloaders. That's who. Last year, 2020, American taxpayers, again, only about 45 of us actually pay federal income tax, yet we pay for 100% of the people living here, including all the illegals living here. Last year, we paid more in taxes than all of America spent on health care, food, entertainment, and clothing combined. It's got to stop. They want to give everything away. Remember the Democrat socialist Bernie Sanders and AOC's demand businesses pay 15 bucks an hour for workers? Oh, heck no. Now they want $26 per hour. Give politicians an inch, they want a mile. Give them a billion, they want six trillion. That's all they know how to do. Give stuff away and make, make the people who pay taxes, you and me, pay for everyone. They won't stop unless we stop them. We need to call these clowns out, tell them we're not paying for all their Democrat vote harvesting anymore. Speaking of calling them out, Remember that dress Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wore to the Met Gala last week? Yeah, you know, the one right there where she made herself the center of attention again? Tax the rich dress? Sorry, dear, the rich pay most of taxes in America already. But check this out. While her dress called out the rich for not paying their fair share of taxes, which is false, 
We just learned Aurora James, the designer who made AOC's billboard dress, owes a ton in taxes herself. Amongst other things, Aurora James owes $104,000 in taxes to the IRS. In addition, she has three open warrants for other tax violations, and apparently Ms. Ocasio-Cortez's dress designer is a deadbeat tenant as well. She owes one landlord $25,000, a second landlord $5,000 in unpaid rent. Nice job, AOC, you hypocrite. How ironic. Henry, ring the hypocrisy bell, please. You just... All right. Next. How about vaccine cops? No joke. Where's 007? No, your enemy is my enemy. There's literally a freaking vaccine cop out in New York City. Sorry, answer the question. Are you claiming that this outside setup is not a feet? I, I can remove the sign, Dagar. Okay, Simon, do that. All right. If you haven't noticed, this is again the third instance of the Department of Transportation harassing us after we have provided compliance information. Wow, vaccine cops on the streets in New York City. Joining us now is the man who filmed the New York City cop, giving him a hard time about those restrictions. Tyler, thank you for joining us. Tyler Hollinger, the owner of Festival Cafe. So, <laughs> did I get this right? You're just trying to reopen, you're trying to make a buck. You've been on the sidelines for 18 months due to COVID, and, and this is what they're worried about, where the where that little wooden sign was on your sidewalk? Exactly. I mean, it's clear to anyone that the city is not interested in saving lives by any means. They're interested in penalizing small businesses and, frankly, not compensating us for, be, for being the vaccine enforcement agency of the city, which is, quite frankly, disgusting. Yeah, you guys are, are all of a sudden becoming the ones that have to enforce this, or else are you going to get fined if, God forbid, someone without a vax card is in your restaurant, right? What do they, what do they say they're going to do to you? Uh, you're, we're going to face $5,000 fines a day. And you know what's even more disgusting of the hypocrisy that's in this city? The individuals who are doing the inspecting, the individuals who are doing the fining, do not have to be vaccinated. Does that answer the question? Are you claiming that this so we just listened to this a little bit. So he, this guy rolls up, and he, he, he's supposed to be checking to see if you have any vac unvaccinated or non-vaxxers in your restaurant, and then he gets into where your sign is and, and where, your, where your, that wooden structure is on your sidewalk. Right. So this individual was threatening $1,000 fines because he claimed there wasn't enough clearance space on the sidewalk. I proved it wrong by bringing out the tape measure and measuring it. Then he said, no, uh, your signs are out of compliance. And then he was like, even the dog water bowls can't be there. And I was like, the dog water bowls are for the dogs in the neighborhood. It's clear that the city is not interested in protecting the common good. So, uh, Tyler, I was in a restaurant last week, and um, th there was a little back and forth between the hostess and, and a customer. They called cops. Three cops, New York City cops showed up. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, with all the stuff that's going on, we're talking about hundreds of murders a year. The last thing in the world a cop wants to do is to be called because some customer doesn't have a vax card and wants to eat in a restaurant. Yeah, absolutely. And frankly, we don't want to be caught in the middle of all this. Right. This is some sort of beef between the mayor and the unvaccinated. 
And let's be clear about one thing. If the mayor really wanted everyone to be vaccinated, you would have to show vaccine to get on a subway, to get on a crowded bus. But this isn't the case. And let's be, let's be even more transparent here. The U.N. is currently happening right now. You don't have to be vaccinated to go to the U.N. They have an honor system. They have an honor system. Southern borders being overrun by illegals. None of them are, are required to have a vaccine card or get vaccinated when they come in. But a restaurant owner like you have to, has to be some sort of vaccine cop. Look, we're struggling. We're struggling so hard right now. I can't find people to work. And the only reason we've managed to stay afloat is from the love and generosity of our neighborhood, of the regulars, the community who consistently comes back again and again, and the talented individuals that I still have at our cafe. And let me tell you, we opened last year in the pandemic. We just celebrated our first birthday. We are here. We're not going anywhere. You know what the odd thing is in this upside down world, Tyler? You're forced to cater to and serve the people who have you had had you closed for 18 months and the people who fought for you to be open those are the ones who aren't allowed in your restaurant tyler hollinger thank you for being here we'll stay on that story thank you you just watch newsmax next now couldn't you agree right just a few little things like no border Everybody coming in, thousands upon thousands upon thousands. You're looking live, essentially, right now at the Rio Grande River. People are coming through. Single men are being sent back, but families are arriving and being welcomed and then being stashed under that bridge. It is a total catastrophe. What else? The Afghanistan fiasco that the fake news desperately wants you to forget. They're helping Joe Biden every single way. You know, not only did we withdraw in the most ridiculous way possible, but we killed a whole bunch of civilians on our way out. And don't forget this. Maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't. Joe Biden just screwed up our relationship with one of our oldest allies, France. How can you do that? He managed to do it. So with all this stuff going on, <laughs> what does Joe do? Relax. Mr. President, what were you telling Emmanuel Macron? Mr. President, when are you going to call Macron? <laughs> uh, went to Delaware, Rehoboth Beach, has a big house there, and just took it easy. You know, it'd be one thing if you were working really hard during the week, but he's not. You know it, we know it, we see it, it's obvious. Uh, this is not being hard at work. May God protect our troops. Thank you. Mr. President, Mr. President, what kind of impact does it have when celebrities like Nicki Minaj? Thank you. Thank you. take questions in part because quite frankly he can't take questions when he is off script bad things start happening i mean there are now dozens of examples of him walking away you know what is inconceivable donald trump behaving this way even his detractors right every day into the arena he wasn't hiding 
He was taking it head on, and that's what a president should do. Joe Biden, again, <laughs> hopped in a plane and went away for the entire weekend. He has an advantage, though. The fake news covers up for him big time. Apparently Biden's going to be traveling less. What is that about? You know, they, they got some things knocked out with the, the California trip, the, the wildfires focusing on climate change. He is going to, at least at this point, still planning to go to the G20 and the Glasgow Climate Conference. But in general, I think he's planning to focus on stuff from home. Um, the home being Washington, D.C., and also Delaware. I was like, Delaware, what? <laughs> <laughs> Inside the swamp. Inside jokes, uh, Joe Biden uh, staying in the White House, uh, going to Delaware, doing nothing else. The weirdest presidency we've ever seen. And uh, it's a funny joke to them. Yep, it is. All right, next. UFOs extract triglycerides. Using his weaponized main... So I am now seeing a coordinated effort on behalf of the left to attack Republican governors. Of course, Team Biden is using his weaponized mainstream media as their propaganda henchmen. They know they are losing. Biden's America is now in decline. We are witnessing crisis after crisis. So to take your attention away from the real problems we face, a border invasion, the rise of Islamic terror, inflation headed to the stratosphere, to name a few... They're desperately, and even deviously, trying to divert your attention away from that. I want you to watch CNN's Jake Tapper viciously pounce on Republican Governor Tate Reeves of Deep Red Mississippi. If Mississippi were its own country, you would be second in the world only to Peru in terms of deaths per capita. That's a horrible, horrible, heartbreaking statistic. So with all due respect, Governor your way is failing. Are you going to try to change anything to change this horrible statistic from what you're doing already? Well, with all due respect, Jake Tapper, you are a disrespectful, arrogant, hypocritical bloviator. See, Mississippi only took this position within the last 30 days until just last week, New Jersey, a blue state with a Democrat governor who thrives on oppression led the nation in deaths per capita. Sometimes I wonder if in, a, in America, if our Congress was part-time, we wouldn't be in a better position. But let's talk a little bit about better position than Mississippi what? and where Your we are with the second virus. Wor <clears throat> second worst in the world. I mean, I, I, how can Let, you say that? Let's talk about where we are and why. What a smug elitist. Jake Tapper giggles, and he's sitting governor. But let's look at the list of states that rank highest in deaths per capita. It's just about evenly split, actually, between red and blue states. New Jersey is a razor-thin close second to Mississippi. With the home of Democrat tyranny, New York not far behind. Yet when a Republican offers valuable advice, Jay Kapper refuses to listen. If you get the virus, and this is very important, if you get the virus... Please talk to your doctor about the monoclonal so you're not antibody doing treatment. You're not that is the best anything. way in which to do that. You know who's not doing anything is Jay Tapper and CNN. In fact, all they do is lie. The fact is, Jay Tapper will always attack Republicans and run cover for Democrats. 
when New York and New Jersey dominated the nation in China virus deaths, Tapper and the rest of the media, by the way, didn't ask tough questions. He threw softballs. Are you prepared? And what are you telling people at nursing homes in New York where the people are the most vulnerable? The first case in your state was reported on March 4th. Now, not even six weeks later, you stand at over 58,000 cases. New Jersey reached its peak last Wednesday. Does that match with what you're seeing on the ground? You noted that the, the cluster is in New Rochelle um, and not in New York City. Why? I know that you, everybody wants to, to go back to some semblance of normal. Are there a plan that you have to keep people safe even after some of these restrictions have been lifted? So that's him with the Democrat governors. You see the difference in tone, all right? It's why I know these Tapper-style attacks are coordinated. Fox News' Chris Wallace did it last week to Governor Pete Ricketts of Nebraska. Governor, are you being cavalier with the health of your communities? With the Delta surge, you're averaging 759 new cases a day. Governor, that's the highest since last winter. Governor, what's so objectionable about Biden's vaccine mandates, and what are you going to do about it? I'm not going to do it. But you say it's a personal choice. In fact, to attend school in your state of Nebraska, children must be vaccinated against a number of diseases. Well, I want you to notice the common talking points both Tapper and Wallace use as if they're getting their tip sheet straight from the White House communications team. You seem to be very, very uh, activated when it comes to fighting the mandate from the federal government. I'm saying All to right. you, next. Hi, my name is Jasmine, and a little thing I love about the lives at risk. The problem, what is happening on our southern border, is inexcusable, and it's putting lives at risk. The problem stems, of course, from an administration that would rather import poverty, stoke the flames of division, and communicate through lies than it would keep people safe. Right now, under a Texas bridge in Del Rio, Texas, sits 15,000 Haitian migrants, apparently with more on the way. To Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, this is not horrific, he says. A fake news story of bogus accounts of Border Patrol on horses using whips against illegal border crossers. This, to Mayorkas, even though the whole story's phony, is horrific. Secretary, what was your initial reaction when you saw these things? I was horrified by what I saw. I'm going to let the investigation run its course, but the pictures that I observed troubled me profoundly. That is not acceptable. We will not tolerate mistreatment, and we okay. will address it with full force what an idiot. I wish he was this angry, you just saw there, over the fact that our country's being invaded. But no, here's the problem with his faux outrage. These aren't whips, they're reins. And in every video I reviewed and Border Patrol administrators reviewed as well, there's no evidence of agents using those reins to steer a horse against migrants. In fact, Border Patrol issued a statement that agents spin the reins to keep migrants away from the horses for their own safety. But instead, typical to the left's war on cops mentality, 
even though Border Patrol doesn't even carry whips, you get a web of lies designed to get you to hate the men and women keeping all of us safe. He also felt they were horrific and horrible. I don't know anyone who could watch that video and not have that emotion. That's not who we are. That's not who the Biden-Harris administration is. What I saw depicted about um, those individuals on horseback treating human beings the way they were is horrible. And um, I fully support what is happening right now, which is a thorough investigation. What we have seen was cruel inhumane and a violation of domestic laws and international laws. These are amateurs who know nothing what they talk about. Nothing. They're naive amateurs. And if they do know what they're talking about, then of course they're lying to you and that makes them devious. So while the media focuses on that anti-cop, anti-border patrol propaganda, it's ignoring what's really happening. Homeland Security is releasing thousands of these migrants from Haiti, Mexico, El Salvador, Guatemala, and so many other countries. They're releasing them into this country. Anyone now with a child gets an absolute free pass into the United States. Catch and release is still the norm. That means grab a kid, any kid, and come on in. That's the message they're sending. It's dangerous. It's dangerous messaging that will now put thousands of children in harm's way. As for the Haitians... Don't believe the rhetoric that these immigrants recently escaped some war-torn country. You don't get to the United States that fast. They come from an island, Haiti. These migrants, according to every Border Patrol agent I've spoken with, believes they've been living in other countries for months, if not years, and only now realized Team Biden is offering them unfettered access into the greatest nation in the world. Yet Secretary Mayorkas ignores the facts, and refuses to call this mess what it is, a crisis. What is the reticence to call something that is so clearly a crisis, a crisis? Uh, I call it um, a heartbreaking uh, situation, a tremendous challenge. Would you update it right now? You know, I've got to, I've got to, I'm going to stop you right there. Let, let me just say very clearly, we are focused on meeting the challenge. We have reiterated that our borders are not open and people should not make the dangerous journey. Do you honestly believe that our borders are closed? Um, Senator, uh, I do. <laughs> I do? Well, if that was the case, Border Patrol wouldn't need horses to stop them from coming across a river. These aren't the only people, though, flooding into our country right now, not the ones from Haiti. Team Biden is bringing in Afghan refugees in record numbers as well. Brace yourself for this. Today, Secretary Mayorkas also admitted that only 3% of the Afghan evacuees are special immigrant visa holders, meaning an Afghani who helped Americans during the war. 3%. On top of that, of the evacuees rescued from Afghanistan, only 7% were U.S. citizens. Only 6% were lawful permanent residents. That's only 13% of the evacuees that came into our country. Who are the rest? Unvetted Afghans, possibly terrorists, because the Biden administration is allowing anyone in. And guess what else we're finding out about this group of people? Like the migrants at our southern border, they are not being asked for proof of vaccinations. 
and they are not being forced to get the China virus vaccine. Here is what they are doing, bringing in all kinds of other diseases. According to the CDC, 16 of these refugees have confirmed cases of the measles. Others have tuberculosis and malaria. Compare this with what's happening on the border. This is nothing short of an invasion, and I believe an invasion by design. So for every two Americans that are born in this country, every two, we get one illegal that just waltzes in if we keep up this pace. What we're witnessing is the culmination of the radical left plot to dilute America and overrun it with potential Democrat socialist voters. Hey, I'm Rob Finnerty. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed this video, please join the conversation in the comments below. Don't forget to subscribe. Alliant understands things can get... Least favorite president at one of my least favorite institutions. It was pretty bad. It was boring. It was also a great big denial of reality and saying everything that's wrong with the world can be tied back to Trump. Um, and glossing over, of course, all of his own mistakes. I'm glad you didn't have to watch this, but I'll give you the highlights and we'll try to put it in context and perspective. First, remember, Joe Biden is improving everything with our allies, right? We're working with our allies toward a new strategic concept that will help our alliance better take on evolving threats of today and tomorrow. We renewed our engagement with the European Union, a fundamental partner in tackling the full range of significant issues facing our world today. We elevated the Quad partnership among Australia, India, Japan, and the United States to take on challenges ranging from health security to climate, to emerging technologies. Everything's beautiful. It's not beautiful. Our oldest ally in the world, France, just pulled their ambassador. This is elementary stuff that he screwed up big time. The fake news isn't highlighting it. We entered into a deal with Australia that we probably should not have. And much of the world is angry at us right now. But America's back because Trump is gone. The French are incensed. You know, every detail of this story is totally astonishing. And I'm not going to go back to the, to the fact that our closest allies have been plunging in our back, not only to get a contract that we had, but also to kick us out of a strategic partnership. And, and it was done in a most inelegant, brutal way. Inelegant and brutal. The United States was inelegant and brutal under Joe Biden. I thought that was uh, Donald Trump style, right? Remember Donald Trump? He was so mean to our allies, pushing them out of the way as he got to the front of the crowd. By the way, I love that when it happened. Uh, Donald Trump, when he sat there all stubborn, demanding that NATO pay their fair share. I love that when it happened. Remember Angela Merkel, how mad he was at him? Those were truly the good old days. Joe is pretending that he's handling the basics. He is not. There are some other odd themes of his talk today at the UN. Will we affirm and uphold the human dignity and human rights 
we hear a common cry, a cry for dignity, simple dignity. Partner with them to find ways to respond that advance human dignity around the world. The future will belong to those who embrace human dignity. Dignity, dignity. Whenever he talks about dignity, my thought goes, my mind goes immediately uh, to this. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Okay, that's <laughs> that man has dignity. You don't, Joe Biden. Who talks like that? You do. He does. Man, oh man. All right, next. I'm building the world forward. And chaos leads to inhumanity. Governor Abbott. The Biden administration is a man-made disaster of inhumanity, of epic proportions. It must end. It must end immediately. And the way to end it is by the Biden administration stepping up and finally enforcing the immigration laws of the United States of America. I'll take a few questions. He did it and he's telling the truth. Buddy, oh man. Man, oh man. Democrats are out to destroy America. They literally want to tear it down, to rebuild. President Joe Biden says the United States will double its Pfizer donation to developing nations to share around one billion doses with the rest of the world. The stepped-up commitment is to help achieve the goal of vaccinating 70% of the global population within the next year. He made the pledge at a virtual COVID-19 summit on the sidelines of the UN General Assembly calling well-off nations to take more action to get the pandemic under control. To beat the pandemic here, we need to beat it everywhere. And I made and I'm keeping the promise that America will become the arsenal of vaccines. For every one shot we've administered to date in America, we have now committed to do three shots to the rest of the world. Um, and to be able, we have been working on strategies to improve the services um, and to be able to reach people that are unsheltered. That's really the most vulnerable population, those who are unsheltered. Donna Fico was the vice president of supportive services at Eva's Village in Patterson. If you can't see them, then you can't count them. For the last 40 years, the organization has been... Homelessness has been ramping up in the New Jersey area. Thank you to Governor Murphy. His crazy ideas. Yes. It's been crazy. Now. Um, but. We got some uh, crazy news about Passaic County. Passaic County. I didn't know about this, but I did some research. Passaic County sheriff has been defunded. Yes. Passaic County um, Police Department has been defunded and I'm not a fan about that. Um, and it's not a good sign when they're, when they're um, defunded. All right, 
Next. a number of challenges. Staffing shortages, continued cleanup from Tropical Storm Ida, and now the start of COVID outbreaks, forcing some classes, even entire schools, to temporarily switch to virtual learning. So far, hundreds of positive COVID-19 cases have been reported in districts around the state, though the full extent of the situation is unclear because the state's COVID dashboard, a data tracking system, is behind on updates and there's no requirement for districts to make the information public. Still, superintendents report being on far better footing to start this September, yet the patchwork approach to quarantining and closures is leaving some parents confused. Joanna Gagas reports. Three individuals tested positive for the COVID-19. So starting today, that class will be uh, learning remotely. The COVID outbreak in a fourth grade Jersey City class is among the 13 positive cases reported by the district in just these first few weeks of school. And the state's second largest school system is just one of many districts around the state dealing with COVID outbreaks already. In Robbinsville, more than 220 students are currently in quarantine, as the superintendent shared with the district last week. Over the past week, we have had uh, a full classroom over at Sharon having to quarantine. Uh, last night, we had to quarantine over 75 students at Pond, girls that tried out for the soccer team. And we have three unrelated outbreaks or um, infections here at the high school, which means our school is considered an outbreak. Yet even with those numbers, only the high school is closed for virtual learning. Quite different than in West Windsor, Plainsboro, where the entire Maurice Hawk Elementary School went virtual after five reported cases. Superintendent David Adderhold explained in a letter to the community that the closure was made out of an abundance of caution, but grounded in the knowledge that four of the last five reported cases fall outside of any identified contact tracing and substantiate the potential of greater spread within our school community. How and when to close schools is a decision that's left to the districts, and it can be hard to find consistency. In New Providence, one full sixth grade class is quarantined, along with portions of two other classes, after positive cases began plaguing the district in the first week. The very first day was actually um, mask optional policy, uh, which was Wednesday of the first full week of September. And by Friday, there were three positive cases identified at the um, elementary school, which led to a large number of people being put in quarantine due to contact tracing purposes. Stacy Gunderman has two kids in the elementary school with the quarantined class. She's concerned that new cases popping up since the quarantine might mean that more in-school transmission is happening. There were additional cases reported last week, including some that had to, again, be contact traced, which means it wasn't coming from the quarantined kids from the first exposure. Nothing's been classified by the district as in-school transmission, yet as a parent, it, it, it's uncomfortable. Um, and we, we'd like to know a little bit more, especially what the criteria is for deeming something in-school transmission. The Department of Education's guidance leaves it to the districts to identify which students are close contacts of a positive person, whether there's been in-school transmission, and to communicate it back to their local health departments. But according to state epidemiologist, Dr. Christina Tan, we define an outbreak, an in-school tra um, in transmission outbreak, to be um, three or more epidemiologically linked cases where, um, you know, you don't have any household contacts um, among them and that there might be some, um, you know, common activity. Uh
Alright, so, a bunch of nonsense, but it's kind of crazy, it's kind of crazy. Meanwhile, um, let's go to... Ron DeSantis. Here we go. You don't know noble lies. You tell the truth on what the data is saying. You don't, and the same thing with the treatment and the antibodies. Part of the reason, when I rolled out the antibodies, we were in the midst of a wave, okay? People like Fauci said if 50% were vaccinated, you would have no more surges. We had that. In fact, our seniors were over 90%, and yet you see admissions going up. So what do you do? And people were saying, well, most of these people aren't vaccinated who are being admitted. True, 100%. I wish that they had been. I think many of them probably wouldn't have been admitted. At the same time, when you're in the midst of a wave... You can vaccinate immediately. It doesn't kick in for weeks, probably six weeks after that. So what are you going to do to help people in the meantime? And we were seeing people who were vaccinated getting infected. We hoped that it would produce sterilizing immunity. Remember the Pfizer trial, 95% reduction. That's clearly not happening. I mean, we look around, uh, people are getting infected. The role that vaccinated people play in spreading it, I don't know, but I can tell you, I think every state in the country had higher cases this summer than they did last summer when no one was vaccinated. So it'd be hard for me to think it's only occurring amongst a small slice. So nevertheless, we saw that and we knew our most vulnerable people overwhelmingly were vaccinated. So what do you do? Well, we had an effective treatment that's been emergency use since the end of 2020. It was used on the president of the United States to help him recover from COVID. This is something that many of our hospitals were using but it was something that almost none of these people being admitted to the hospital even knew about. Many physicians, uh, as of last month, were still telling people, okay, go home, hope you don't get deathly ill. If you get deathly ill, then go to the hospital. There was never any interest or, or belief that they, this should be treated or even could be treated. I don't know why. But I do think that one of the reasons why this was not something that was put out there very publicly by the experts and by the powers that be in, in D.C. is because they feared that if you tell people there's an effective treatment, if you tell people COVID's a treatable illness, they feared some people would say, well, you know, maybe I won't get vaccinated. I'll just get the treatment. And so they didn't want that message out because they feared how people would behave. And my view is we've always said it compliments. If you want to cover all your bases, do it as a compliment. But you can't not tell people that this is something that's available. And so the result is when we started doing our push, I was attacked for it, saying you're not supposed to do it. Uh, we did it. We raised awareness, which is very important. And then we expanded access. Um, and the result has been, I think we're at, what, 29 straight days where the hospital census has declined, 8% reduction in the census uh, This as of this morning, uh, ED visits. This is all tanking. And um, it was the right thing to do. Now you have other states 
where they're now following Florida's lead. I get people, people will write into the office here from these other states thanking me because they didn't know about this. And so they started uh, bothering some of their doctors in these other states to be able to get this. Uh, so having the treatment is the right thing to do. I think increasingly as we see more vaccinated people test positive again, I think most of the time it's going to be a mild case and you're probably not going to need this. But we are seeing some very vulnerable people uh, who have been saved for this. And if you look at some of the places, I mean, Miami, I think it's like 60 some percent of the people that have gone to our treatment site in Dade have been vaccinated. Um, Broward is, I think, 52 percent. Some of the other sites, more more rural areas, the majority are unvaccinated. And I'd say overall, you know, you're looking at 40 to 45 percent of the people statewide that have gotten this treatment have been vaccinated who were either infected or were exposed and are in high risk situations. So. Telling the truth, I think, is important, and I think that's what Dr. Ladapo understands, that you got to tell people the truth, and you got to let them make decisions. They may not always make the decision that you want them to make, but I think that's much better than pulling the wool under their eyes. Now, we have a situation in Florida now where, in spite of this data, where we see far fewer people being admitted to the hospital, thankfully, uh, we're seeing people kept out, we're seeing lives saved. So that's the latest on, uh, almost the latest, one more thing. Um, here. That's wrong. That is dead wrong. And why are they targeting Florida? Biden, he loves talking about Florida. He hates Florida more than anything. And this is absolutely going to hurt people. We're going to work like hell to make sure that, that anyone who needs it, we're going to figure out ways to be able to do. I hope to have an announcement on that soon. Um, but how could you cut it? Uh, given all the things that we're seeing on the ground and you don't even need, you can look at the hospital data. It's very, we heard about it. So the, it's crazy what he does. Also tonight on the 10 o'clock news, the Florida Department of Health issuing a revised rule giving parents more authority on when. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. So this. Remember this? I just want to say uh, something uh, quickly. Um, you know, uh, Joe Biden has taken to himself to try to single out Florida um, over COVID. Uh, this is a guy who ran for president saying he was going to, quote, shut down the virus. And what has he done? He's imported more virus from around the world by having a wide open southern border. You have hundreds of thousands of people pouring across every month. And it's not just from Mexico. In fact, it's rarely from Mexico. You have over 100 different countries where people are pouring through. Not only are they letting them through. They're then farming them out all across our communities across this country, putting them on planes, putting them on buses. You think they're being uh, worried about COVID for that? Of course not. So he's facilitating. Who knows what new variants are out there? But I can tell you, whatever variants are around the world, they're coming across that southern border. And so he's not shutting down the virus. He's helping to facilitate it in our country. And what is his big solution? What is he so upset about Florida? His solution is he wants to have the government force kindergartners to wear masks in school. He Remember that? 
I remember quite well. And it's amazing what he says. Alright. Next. Greg Abbott talks about his border. Governor Greg Abbott has asked President Biden to issue an emergency declaration at the border, writing, the surge poses life-threatening risks to residents of Valverde County and is quickly overrunning law enforcement, health care, and humanitarian resources, which were never intended to be used in this capacity. Governor Abbott joins me now. Governor, good to see you tonight. Do you expect your request to be granted? You know, I, I have not yet heard from the president during this his entire presidency concerning the border. Uh, the Biden administration uh, refuses to even pretend as though there's a crisis. And uh, obviously, as you've been talking about tonight and as your viewers have seen for months now, there is chaos down there, especially in the Del Rio sector. Uh, and so the Democrats made clear, let's go back one year ago, back when the Democrats were sharing a debate stage. And you had Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Beto O'Rourke and others all talking about how they wanted to have open border policies in the United States. Americans probably had no idea it was going to lead to this level of chaos as you saw all those people streaming across the border. Lord, there was a, a report out today. The report contained comments by a Border Patrol agent. The Border Patrol agent said that the reason why control was able to be gained uh, in the Del Rio sector today is because of the Texas Department of Public Safety. What we did, we uh, put uh, hundreds of Texas Department of Public Safety cars and created a steel wall, a steel wall of DPS vehicles that prevented anybody from crossing that uh, dam that we've seen people walk across walking into the state of Texas. We effectively, as the officer said, regained yeah. control of the border in the Rio Grande sector because the Texas Department of Public Safety stepped up. This is going to be chaos and, and well, as there's long a as governor, the Biden administration is in charge. Yeah, well, of course, he doesn't call you. And he's, I don't know who he's calling, but he has a lot of time to spend in Rehoboth Beach. But, Governor, there was a video earlier today of border agents on horseback um, trying to move migrants. Uh, the Beltway media reported it as if, you know, there were horse reins were actually whips. Uh, of course, that narrative took hold today. Should we be looking at the budget of Department of Homeland Security? Because I was not aware that WHIPs, people had that kind of equipment on them that they could use on humans. The fact that we are dealing with mainly black. Uh now we spoke about this already, so it's fake news. All right, next. The Daily Wire posted this on YouTube. And Rumble. And their homepage. It's all about Gabby Petito. Here we go. Go ahead, please. The body of Gabby Petito has been found in Grand Teton National Park. And a key person of interest, Gabby's fiancé, Brian Laundrie, is nowhere to be seen. The missing person case that has gripped the nation may now be a murder investigation. Here's everything we know so far about Gabby Petito. Starting in July, Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie were traveling across the country and living out of their van. The journey was meant to be an enjoyable summer excursion full of national park visits and time spent together. The couple's idyllic life of travel, though, was not without serious bumps in the road. Police in Moab, Utah, said that on August 12th, Gabby and Brian had been in some sort of altercation 
even though, quote, they reported they are in love and engaged to be married. Police questioned both Gabby and Brian at the time, but ultimately no one was arrested and no charges were filed. Authorities concluded that it was more of a mental health crisis than a domestic assault, with Gabby as the supposed aggressor and Brian as the supposed victim. But one 911 caller from that same day reported that he witnessed a very different story, a domestic abuse incident. The caller said that a man had been hitting a woman. Grant County Sheriff's Office. And I'd like to report a domestic dispute. Uh, we drove by and the gentleman was slapping the girl. And then we stopped. They ran up and down the sidewalk. He proceeded to hit her, hopped in the car, and they drove off. A week after that incident, Brian and Gabby posted a video to their YouTube account, announcing that their new lifestyle would be permanent. The video description read, in part, After our first cross-country trip in a little Nissan Sentra, we both decided we wanted to downsize our lives and travel full-time. But things took an even stranger and darker turn just a few days later. Gabby, who was usually very active on social media, suddenly went silent. The last post on her Instagram account appeared on August 25th, but now there are questions about who really posted that photo. And around August 27th, Petito stopped communicating with her family, and the pair stopped posting to social media altogether. On August 30th, Petito's family received the last text from Gabby's phone. It read simply, no service in Yosemite. Laundry got back to his parents' home in Northport, Florida on September 1st, but Gabby wasn't with him. Another 10 days passed during which the Petitos, who live in Suffolk, New York, were still unable to reach their daughter, Gabby. On September 11th, the family filed a missing person report. According to the local police department in Florida, officers had no luck speaking to the Laundry family. The officers were, quote, essentially handed the information for their attorney. On September 16th, the shell-shocked Petitos wrote a letter to the Laundry family, begging for help with finding their daughter. Tell us if we were even looking in the right place, they said. All we want is for Gabby to come home. Please help us make that happen. The next day, on September 17th, the Laundries told police that they hadn't seen their son, Brian, for three days. Local authorities and the FBI officially kicked off a search, even though Brian was not yet wanted for a crime. Fifty officers started looking for Brian in the massive Carlton Reserve in Venice, Florida, and the FBI started doing ground surveys in Grand Teton National Park. So no one knew where Gabby was, and it seemed very strange that the only person who might know her location chose to go silent. But law enforcement had a few leads. A TikTok user said that she and her boyfriend had met Brian in the north part of Grand Teton. He'd allegedly offered them $200 for a ride out of the park. He approached us asking us for a ride because he needed to go to Jackson. So I said, you know, hop in. Um, he hopped in the back of my Jeep. But before he came in the car, he offered to pay us like $200 to give him a ride. Like... 10 miles so that was kind of weird and in late august a family of youtubers had been recording their journey through grand teton after the mother heard about gabby's missing person case she checked their gopro footage sure enough they had passed a white van matching the description of brian and gabby's vehicle finally on september 19th the petito family received horrible news not too far from where that family had driven past the white van the fbi discovered human remains that matched gabby's profile the next day, Brian's parents were questioned in their home by the FBI. Officers then executed a warrant and searched the home for hours. Brian is still missing, and the police are searching the now-closed nature reserve. Police are also investigating a trail cam photo showing what appears to be Brian walking through a wooded area in the early morning hours of September 21st. As multiple experts have described, finding Brian may prove difficult since he had a very long head start. But police are still combing the nature reserve, using drones and bloodhounds trained to search for Brian's scent. Even before we have a complete picture of what seems to be a tragic situation, the media are already politicizing the story. The day after authorities found the body, MSNBC's Joy Reid said that people only care about Gabby because of racism. But the way this story has captivated the nation has many wondering, why not the same media attention when people of color go missing? Well... The answer actually has a name, missing white woman syndrome. So that's where we are now. 
The story began with everyone wondering where Gabby Petito was. And while that question has unfortunately been answered, now a bigger question remains. Where is Brian Laundrie? And what does he know about Gabby's final moments? We'll be tracking this active story as it can... Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Alright, next story is this. gentlemen for yielding madam speaker i rise today in support of hr 4350 this is by the iron dome um israel um vote and listen to this we have maintained the bipartisan tradition of the armed services committee now, while this administration promotes weakness abroad and tyranny at home, robust support for the defense in this bill ensures that our adversaries understand that our military has the resources required to stymie their aggressive ambitions, which will guarantee that our military will succeed if called upon. This legislation will enhance readiness by funding the unfunded requests of the services and the COCOMs. It will maintain our commitment to the nuclear triad and modernization and aggressively enhance our space capabilities. It protects our troop against punishment for personal politics, prohibits dishonorable discharge for COVID vaccination refusal, and requires a plan for exemptions. And it begins to hold the Biden administration accountable for Afghanistan. Now, while this bill fosters U.S.-Israeli cooperation, including $300 million for multiple collaborative programs, Anti-Israel Democrats have stripped the continuing resolution of $1 billion for the Iron Dome missile defense system. What does it say about the progressive caucus that they object to Israeli citizens defending themselves from missile attacks? It is reprehensible and anti-Semitic. Nevertheless, this bill, as it currently stands, is a bipartisan bill. I thank the chairman and ranking member for maintaining the collaborative nature of our committee. I want to thank especially the chairman of the readiness subcommittee john garamendi for his leadership and commitment to bipartisanship and i thank my readiness team ian dave and whitney for their invaluable hard work during this process i encourage a yes vote and i yield back gentleman from alabama reserves the gentleman from washington is right health protection act i asked speaker pelosi earlier about the archdiocese and the archbishop of san francisco warn that this bill is nothing more for what purpose does the gentleman from pennsylvania rise madam speaker as a member designated by mr lawson of florida pursuant to house resident for the house that mr lawson will vote nay listen to pelosi committee uh, for of the house mrs pelosi Gentlelady is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I thank the distinguished chairwoman of the Appropriations Committee uh, for yielding, but more importantly, for her unwavering support for this important priority. Thank you, Madam Chair Rosa DeLauro, and for your leadership in bringing this leadership uh, to the floor to further express the will of Congress in a bipartisan way for the security of Israel. Iron Dome is a purely defensive system designed to safeguard all civilians 
living in Israel. The system was co-developed by the United States and Israel and has saved thousands of lives. Additional financial support for Iron Dome was part of the Memorandum of Understanding negotiated by President Obama in 2016. The funding being appropriated today simply continues and strengthens this support. Passage of this bill reflects the great unity in Congress on a bipartisan and bicameral basis for Israel's security. Assistance to Israel is vital because Israel's security is an imperative for America's security. Today and every day, Congress stands in support of a comprehensive, durable peace in the region, and we pray for every life lost in all sides of this conflict. For that, and I, I urge a strong bipartisan vote for the security of the people of Israel and for this legislation. Again, commend all who have been part of putting this together. Congresswoman Wasserman Schultz, Congressman Deutsch, some, so many others that I see here, uh, and yield back the balance of my time. Thank General you. General Lady yields back. The gentleman from Tennessee. Mr. Speaker, I reserve. The gentleman continues to reserve. The gentlelady from Connecticut. Listen to this. Pelosi spoke to AOC before. Before the Iron Dome vote. Switching before switching Iran Dome vote from no to present. That's what um, AOC did. She's speaking to AOC. That's what AOC does. That's what AOC did, actually. <laughs> she voted from no to present. And listen to what Rashida, Rashida Talibs had to say. Talib. The gentlelady from Michigan is recognized for one minute. Thank you so much, colleagues. I rise in opposition to this supplemental. I will not support an effort to enable and support war crimes, human rights abuses, and violence. We cannot ta be talking only about Israelis' need for safety at a time when Palestinians are living under a violent apartheid system and are dying from what Human Rights Watch has said are war crimes. We should also be talking about Palestinian need for security from Israeli attacks. We must be consistent in our commitment to human life, period. Everyone deserves to be safe there. The bill claims to be, quote, a replenishment for weapons apartheid Israel used in a crisis it manufactured when it attacked worshipers at one of the most holiest Islamic locations, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, committing, again, numerous, numerous war crimes. And yet, a $1 billion in American tax dollars or my colleagues want to give represents to me an absurd and unjustifiable 140 times increase to U.S. funding for the Iron Dome. I firmly believe our country must oppose selling weapons to anyone, anywhere, without human rights law compliance. The Israeli government is an apartheid regime. Not my words, the words of Human Rights Watch and Israel's own Human Rights Watch organization, Ben Salem. I urge my colleagues, please stand with me in supporting human rights for all. I yield. Gentlemen, on to this 
Gentleman is recognized. Listen Mr. To Speaker, this. the truth has finally come out on the floor of the House of the United States of America. I heard some of my Democratic colleagues stand with me, with Israel, with our ally, to fight terrorism with a defensive weapon system. And what did we just hear? We heard the Democratic Party speak out. We heard right now from my colleague across the aisle with a shocking statement. She opposes this because they have a vocal minority in the majority party that is anti-Israel, that is anti-Semitic, and as Americans, we can never stand for that. I grew up with Holocaust survivors. I grew up with children of Holocaust survivors. Israel has been attacked and attacked and attacked since its inception. As Americans, I beseech you, I reach out to the majority and I say, condemn what we just heard on the floor. Condemn terrorism. This is a defensive weapon system. Stop playing your procedural games. I hear commit, recommit. It was a motion to recommit. You just saw something on this floor I thought I would never see. Not only as a, as a member of this house, but as an American. Let us stand with Israel. Let's combat anti-Semitism wherever it is in the world, whether it's in the United States, whether it's from terrorism. I am shocked, Mr. Speaker, with what I just heard. I ask the majority to condemn the comments that were just made by their member. And with that, I yield back. The motion is adopted without objection. The motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The, the motion is adopted without objection. The motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The gentleman will withdraw his request until... Hello, my fluffy little friend. I love you. So the yeas are... 214 and the nays are four for Republicans, 181 for Democrat, four nays from Democrats, never, um, no votes, 16 on Republican side, no votes, 14 on the Democrat side, 30 altogether, 395 yays and eight nays. All together. Next. All regimes have something to do with religion. Okay, they have some religious foundation. You look at a place like Afghanistan, the religious foundation is Islam. Okay, no, no matter what exact government comes and goes, Islam is going to be the basis of it. In the West, and in America in particular, that grounding originally was Christianity. Right Now, over time, in America, the religion became the civic religion of, say, the founding fathers, or of Abraham Lincoln. This is why 
on our national mall, we have a Greco-Roman temple with a giant statue of Abraham Lincoln as if he were Zeus. Okay, this is why we have weird obelisks to the deities of our founding fathers like, like George Washington, because it is a civic religion. And we, at least until very recently, worshipped the values that they stood for and worshipped these men as sort of demigods. Now, now we're tearing down their statues and replacing it with a new religion. Now the new religion is even more secularized than the one that we've been laboring under for a long time. It is the cult of science. There is a band that I had never heard of called the Kaiser Chiefs. This is an English indie rock band. The lead singer is Ricky Wilson. He was just at a concert full of all sorts of people. They've got their hands in the air. And he says, that's right, put your hands in the air. Not hands in the air to feel the music, not hands in the air to feel the spirit. Hands in the air to show me how clean you are because you've gotten your vaccine. Have a little clean hands. I'm washing them. I'm here if you have the Pfizer vaccine. I'm here for Moderna. AstraZeneca. See if we have the vaccine. How's it going? Yeah, you got clean hands. I can see it's good. Spray your gel, man. That's for they're now calling him not the Kaiser Chiefs, but the Pfizer Chiefs. This is really creepy stuff, and it doesn't make any sense unless you are familiar with religious ritual. It's a sort of religious ritual, right? With with a great many religious rituals, you you undertake a ritual purification. So you know that you're broken, you know that you're fallen, you know that you're impure, but then you go through this ritual purification and then you are pure again. Right, and then you go go out into the world, and so this has become a a literal uh, ritual. A, you know, it's not just that you're cleansing your soul, though that's part of it with this, but you're you're cleansing your body because we live in this very secular age, and by cleansing your body, you cleanse your soul. This is why the anti-vaxxers are being booed. This is why they're being jeered. This is why they're called deplorable and awful and murderers, right? That they're guilty of some sort of sin, some metaphysical crime. If... Alright, next, let's get to the Trump rally. Listen to this. surrendered our forts and air base in Bagram. You know, we were going to keep the air base because it's right, right next to China. And their military institutions and their installations and they have a lot of things surrounding it and we had this big, beautiful air base that cost billions of dollars to build and we were gone. We didn't even turn out the lights. And one day we were gone and you know who's looking at it now and who's all over it? China! We were never leaving that. We had a perfect plan, and they were listening to us. Abdul, Abdul, you can't shoot our soldiers. You know what? For 18 months, we didn't have one soldier killed. Hey, listen to me. I said, you can't do it, Abdul. We'll hit you harder than you've ever been hit. You can't do it. And he understood that, and he left us alone, and we would have never moved our military out first. We would have never. They would have gone last First Americans, then our people that deserve to come out, of which, by the way, 
the people that came out are not the ones that they were talking about. That was just like a mad rush. But uh, Abdul understood that he was not going to do anything to us, and we would have taken our soldiers out last. We would have bombed our five bases, and we were going to occupy Bagram for a long time to come. And it would have been so good. But this guy, they just took the military out first. That's like the captain of the ship. Much more severe, by the way. If a captain of a ship goes, you say, all right, he didn't have guts. But it's not going to affect it too much. They took the military out first. And that's why you have those 13 empty seats right there. That's why. Because they took the military out first. And they created a void. And the Taliban said, what's going on? I can just see Abdul. He gets a call or a message. It said, the military has left. He said, you're nuts in their language. You, there's no way. Sir, the military has left. They've abandoned. They've surrendered. They've quit. Whatever the hell he said. And I guarantee he said, there's no way that happened. Nobody could be that stupid. They're smart. You know, they're good fighters. The Taliban, the Afghans generally are very good fighters. Very good. Among the best, actually. And they said, no, no, he did. And they sent a group in. And they said, you know what? The military is not there anymore. That's why we had to bring people in that weren't even familiar with all of it. They they brought those 13 great people. And many that are wounded, very seriously wounded. They brought them in, among others. They moved... This Millie is an idiot. I got to know him. He's an idiot. They moved the military out first. Let's get the military out. And then after that, we'll negotiate for hostages, okay? And let's leave them $85 billion in America's finest weapons and latest equipment. And he abandoned hundreds of American citizens in enemy-occupied territory, and the press is trying to play the whole situation down like it never took place because they are among the most corrupt people in this country. You don't even see it anymore about Afghanistan. They don't talk about it. They don't talk about it, but I will. The Democrats are after me with prosecutors and everything else they can think of, like they want to make sure that I just be quiet. But you know what? They want to silence me just like they've silenced so many others. It's one of the reasons we don't get the support we should from a lot of very good Republicans, but they're not as brave as they have to be. And others are in agreement with us, but they're afraid. The people we're dealing with are evil and angry and destroying our country. They're destroying our country. And they want to go after me because I have, they think, a big mouth. I don't have a big mouth. You know what I have? I have a mouth that tells the truth. Feels like anxiety. Tastes like cereal. Have a home buying goal? This will not be Venezuela. This is going to be Venezuela. This will not be Venezuela. This is going to be Venezuela very soon. If they keep going the way they're going. And this is all done in a period of less than nine months. Think of it. This destruction of our border, 
all of the destruction, our military in retreat. We've never had a military retreated before. I mean, why would you leave 83 or $85 billion worth of equipment? Why would you leave brand new Black Hawk helicopters, the greatest machine? Why would you leave millions and millions? Why, as an example, there was no reason we had it so under control. We were getting the hell out of there. But everybody would have come out. We would have then taken the equipment. I even gave an expression. I want every screw, every bolt, every nail. I want the tents that the equipment is out. I want everything. Millie said to me one time, I'll never forget it. Sir, it's more expensive. It's more expensive, sir, to take the equipment than to leave it. I said, really? You mean you have a $10 million tank? You put it on a plane and that's more expensive than leaving it? He said, it's more expensive. And I never forgot that, say, because that's probably the first time I realized that he was stupid. But you know what I did say? I said, so we have brand new aircraft just out of the factory, and it's sitting on the runways, and our soldiers are fleeing and surrendering to guys with knives. Good fighters, by the way, but guys with knives that I got along with very well. They understood they're not going to screw around. I almost used the F word. And you know... It would have been more effective if I did, but they would have... He used a horrible word, so I didn't do it. Remember, I didn't do it. It would have been so much more effective if I used the word. Maybe later on. But, <laughs> but with Millie and with all these people, they flee. I said, why wouldn't you have brought in 200 pilots? 200, we have the best pilots in the world. We have the best soldiers in the world. We have the best military in the world. I rebuilt the military. Space Force, don't forget Space Force. I rebuilt. So why wouldn't you bring over real fast? First of all, you shouldn't have left anything behind. So I don't even like this idea. But assuming they really wanted to leave it behind because they're stupid, why wouldn't you bring over 200 pilots? Just take the planes and fly them to... Pakistan. Oh man, that's great. All right, next. And you know, and some of you know this story. I was called by a very good friend of mine who happens to be here tonight. Sir, could you please endorse? I think we're 148 and two with endorsements. They like my endorsement. It's never happened before. Sir, could you please endorse Brian Kemp? I said, who the hell is Brian Kemp? This is at the beginning. There were four or five. I think it's five, but there were five guys. Five people running, five men were running, and he was in last place, doing poorly, and I made the mistake. I, I listened to this gentleman, he's a great guy, actually, and I said, uh, how well do you know him? Well, did he ever say anything bad about me? You know, when they say bad things about me, I have a tendency not to endorse him. Sometimes I do, because it's better than a Democrat, right? But... I said, did he ever say anything bad? We checked, and it was nothing bad. You know, he hadn't been too deep into politics, I guess. Otherwise, he probably would have. But he didn't say anything bad. I said, you know what? I'll endorse him. I endorsed Brian Kemp. The primary was like immediately following the endorsement. Immediately. And he won. He ends up going from last place, or just about last place, to winning in a landslide. Then I had to get him past good old Stacy. Stacy, he got a, he said, sir, we had, 
I guess two rallies, one had 52,000 people, one had 49,000 people. The big monster rallies at the airport because no arena could hold the people. And they weren't there for him, they were there for me. And Stacey Abrams, who still has not conceded, and that's okay. Stacey, would you like to take his place? It's okay with me. She still has not conceded. But we had... (laughs) But we had, just so you understand, we had the most someone, incredible rally. Someone said that Trump never conceded in the crowd, which is true. It's the most incredible rallies. And I said, Brian, you're going to win. Oh, I don't think so. No, you're going to win. I'm telling you. And he ended up winning by like two points, right? And then when I called him about election integrity, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. I can't do that. You just watched Newsmax TV, America's... Why the hell did Brian... What the hell is with Brian Kemp? All right, next, let's go to Australia. It's not possible for us to be able to discuss such secure issues in relation to our dealings with other countries at that time. That explanation hasn't satisfied France. It's pressuring other European nations to scuttle free trade negotiations with Australia. One of our member states um, has been uh, treated in a way that is not acceptable. Europe has such a strong investment and such a keen interest in the there was never going to be an easy way uh, to not proceed with this contract. The opportunity for that call was not yet. Scott Morrison finished with his um, with his trip in the U.S. He said it was very successful. Hmm. I wonder why. All right, next anti-vaccine protesters in Victoria. America, land of the free. Police have made several arrests following a demonstration in St Kilda this afternoon. Hundreds of police were diverted to the area to break up the protest following a week of demonstrations erupting in Melbourne. Freedom Rally demonstrators congregated at St Kilda Promenade. You need help! Leave me alone! I don't trust you! Shame on you! They marched in unison, asserting they weren't there for violence, but instead to have their message heard, to end the lockdown. I'm terrified I'm going to lose my job. I'm terrified for everybody who's just using their voice and saying, I just want to be free. People are sick of the lockdowns. Demonstrators chanted freedom and we are not afraid as they made their way to Luna Park before descending on the foreshore. Police were taking no chances after a week of violent unrest. The riots. Man, oh man, it's crazy out there in the entire Melbourne. How about this? Very pleasingly, New South Wales has passed the 85% figure on first doses. That is an outstanding result. And as we literally gallop towards that 70% double dose, it's very pleasing to see that number go up. And I'd love to see us hit that 90% figure in the near future. In terms of second doses, we're just off 60%. So we're at 59.25% today. And uh, I'm hoping in the next 48 hours, we'll definitely hit that 60% double dose figure, which again is a wonderful achievement for New South Wales. 12 to 15 year olds, we have 37% who've been, uh, who've received their first 
first dose. And I want to thank parents for really uh, going to that effort in encouraging their children or encouraging uh, that age group to be vaccinated. And when we hit that 70% double dose, uh, the knowledge that we'll be around at least 90% first dose plus coverage of that 12 to 15 age group gives us that extra level of comfort that uh, we're able to proceed um, safely at that stage. To 8pm yesterday, we had 961 cases of community transmission and unfortunately nine people lost their lives uh, to 8pm yesterday and we extend our deepest and heartfelt condolences to the loved ones of those who died and Dr Jeremy McAnulty will give an update in his report. Uh, pleasingly, we are seeing case numbers in southwestern and western Sydney continue uh, to have a downward trend, but unfortunately in the Illawarra and Central Coast we're seeing uh, more case numbers than we'd like to see, so we ask those communities in particular to remain vigilant. Now there's not long to go before New South Wales uh, starts approaching that 70% double dose figure, and I ask everybody to please hold the line. It's really important that we work hard. Alright, that's the latest news on Australia. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed. Have a wonderful weekend. And have a good day, everyone.